bit disappointed that the table's not actually round. Yeah, no. On our special round table episode. <laughs> I feel like there needs to be a constant supply of tea as well. I'm a bit disappointed, Matt. I've got one black coffee that's gone cold. My black coffee is in the uh, Silver Jubilee cup, which is very exciting. She looks young on there. It's <laughs> a bit like Olivia Coleman. Queen Elizabeth, nice. top babe. <laughs> 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 so because Rue did such a terrible job on that promotion I- introduction last episode, welcome Kat to the show. Yay! <laughs> That's not a very nice introduction though. I haven't even met Rue yet. And I'm already uh, putting me off on a bad start with him. <laughs> I think it's fine to replace him. Yeah, this this might not, you know, be a permanent thing, but I, I like switching it up every now and then. I don't know. This could be an audition. That's very true. Now we're making you even more nervous. <laughs> what I like about this is we're all in a tiny little terrace house in the middle of nowhere recording a podcast that has now had over 130,000 downloads, yeah. which is kind of crazy. It's awesome. I think we can jump into Watchtower Weekly. So Russia's sovereign internet law comes into force. So the Russian government calls it a sovereign internet law. And from the 1st of November, the country's ISP will now forward all data arriving and departing from their networks through a special gateway servers. I guess this is kind of like them having their own VPN, but instead of like trying to hide your traffic, they're trying to look at your traffic. From the government's point of view, the sovereign internet is a way of protecting the country from bad stuff the internet or other countries might throw at it. Do you think that's kind of ironic? I feel like there's some irony there. (laughs) I don't think we'll upset Russia too much if we... uh... I just like that this is called RUNET. And I feel like they put the words Russia and internet together. Oh, clever. Runet, that sounds way more fun than this. It sounds like the internet according to Rune, yeah. uh, which is a, a terrible idea. <laughs> Just all the worst things on the internet. I feel like they could have come up with a better name. I don't think branding is the worst part of this. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, it says uh, at face value, it seems the government solution in Runet is to build a sort of parallel na- national internet, which is connected to global networks, but can be disconnected from it if the government decides that it's necessary. Sounds like they can do that on a site-by-site basis as well. Like an intranet of sorts, uh, the sort Iran once proposed, a separate network with connections to the outside world, but its design is closer to that of a giant proxy through which traffic can be made to pass some of the time. Yeah. I don't think they're doing this for good reasons, are they? No, it doesn't sound like it. Yeah, I think the reality of this is that it's a more broad governmental annoyance than anything else. You know, it's it's like when the UK came up with this idea that they've recently scrapped for you know, identity cards that will allow you onto adult websites. It's governments trying to control the internet and then realizing that technology is going to move faster than than them being able to control it. It will work for what they want to do for a certain amount of the population, but I don't think it's going to actually work. Yeah, you know, I think the people who want to find the real version of the information that they might copy and, and change about a bit, I, I think they absolutely will. Okay, let's move on to the next one. So we have companies are using your data to judge you with a secret consumer score. This comes according to the New York Times. So when you try to return an item at Best Buy or Sephora before deciding whether to take back the item, those businesses have apparently been secretly looking at something called your consumer score, which is a hidden rating based on the data that you didn't even give them. And this then determines how they treat you. So apparently your consumer score can even determine how long you're kept on the line when calling customer service. So that's pretty scary, right? (laughs) So if you had a bad score, they'd keep you on the line longer. Well, that's the pessimistic way to look at it. (laughs) The optimistic way to look at it is that if you had a really terrible score and you got it knocked down by 
bad mouthing customer service all the time they might get to you quicker to try and you know yeah. improve your score yeah, improve i doubt that's the case though I, I unfortunately doubt that's the case this is like a secret version of your ebay score like your feedback there was a, a black mirror episode on this right where you had like a, a worldwide score that was like everything every interaction that you did your score either went up or down that's quite terrifying i don't think i like it i mean i i think it's good to be held accountable for your behavior so if you're like a badly behaved customer or someone that always complains then maybe but it seems a bit creepy it seems a bit sneaky i don't like it on the idea of returning things but then there are some serial returners i did i did work with a guy once who wore trainers for an entire year and then uh, and then returned them on amazon and bought the same pair and he did that for about four or five years running. <laughs> no way. Oh, no, they were they were horrendous. By the end of the year, they had like holes in them and stuff. And then he'd complain and be like, mm, well, they've got holes in. That's that's quicker than they should have done. Like that guy's score. I- I'm OK with that being rock bottom. Right. I'm OK with him having to wait a while to get on the phone to Amazon. But I think this this whole idea of like secretly holding scores on people. Yeah. But surprisingly, some of these third party companies are willing to show you what data they have on you. So the New York Times reporter who reported on this found out how to request her data from five of these companies and SIFT, a company that looks for fraud, gave her a 400 page file that included a Yelp order for chicken tikka masala, vegetable samosas and a garlic naan she made on her iPhone three years ago. (laughs) That's kind of horrendous. (laughs) The file contained every Yelp order she'd ever made and every Airbnb message she'd ever sent. Why do they need the messages that you send on Airbnb? That's got to be quite private. You wouldn't want to share that with third parties, would you? The, you know, key to the garage number is, you know, send that in an Airbnb message. This took a turn and I'm uncomfortable with it now. I was okay when they were like, this person has returned 50 items within this year. Yeah. And while some companies do show you your data on request, they don't tell you how they calculate your score or how they use your rating to make decisions about you either. I think this alongside so many other privacy concerns... Like it starts off being like, oh, okay, this seems like an all right idea. Like they can, you know, help me get to the front of the queue and and stuff like that. But then as soon as it starts being like all encompassing invasive, like there's a certain feeling that you get. I don't know. The Germans have probably got a word for it. It's like, you know, uncomfortable privacy. And it's just, ah. If there isn't a word for it, there needs to be a word for it. I think so, yeah. (laughs) I'm now trying to think of all the messages that I've sent on Airbnb. I'm wondering whether there was any private information in there. It doesn't sit right, does it? I still like guilt bacon as the best German word. but this Guilt bacon? Yeah. I think bacon grief is actually the term. And it's uh, it's like kummerspecht or something. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to our, our latest news segment, which is News Roundup. So this is where we round up the latest news in a hopefully succinct fashion. This is where Anna tries to keep us on script. Yes, it is. And you get to do your best news reporter voice. Okay. California reveals that it is still investigating Facebook over privacy practices. Facebook has been under investigation by California officials for more than a year now, but Attorney General Xavier Becerra has recently reported that Facebook has refused to comply with document requests, continues to drag its feet, and may be now forced to turn over key documents. And also this week, is it time to toss your Fitbit in the trash? 
Many users might be asking as they fear for their privacy after acquisition by Google, although Fitbit says the data of its 28 million users will not be sold or used for Google ads. I think there's a massive yet after that one, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, and last up this week, um, Airbnb has announced it will now verify listings 11 years after launch. Airbnb will vet every single property on its platform after a series of scams involving a large number of false or misleading property rentals were uncovered on the site. Airbnb said it would review every property by December 2020 and also promises to refund customers if they were misled by inaccurate listings. It would be pretty rubbish if you turned up for your holiday and you're all set to go to your nice Airbnb and you've travelled there and you arrive and then just no answer. Or like you knock on the door and the people are like, oh, this is my house. No, there's no rooms on Airbnb here. Yeah. Or they advertise it to be this like plush five star like resort with a pool. And yeah, you turn up and it's an external toilet. (laughs) I booked one for a one password trip and there were three of us. And it said that there were three bedrooms, but then there were two bedrooms and a hallway in between those two bedrooms with a bed in it. Wow. And so me having booked it, I was the one who slept in the corridor the entire week. (laughs) I can't imagine that you're very pleased with that. I was not very pleased with that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that was a an Airbnb verified property. So I feel like them verifying properties is actually, you know, not that valued. Yeah. But I, I do, I like the fact that they've done this. I think people who are losing faith in their in their platform because of, of bad listings. And I almost feel like if they had less listings on their site, but they were verified ones, that would be much better. Like if they were, if they were actually verifying them like they say they're going to. Yeah, they've been hit by bad press for quite some time now i can remember covering a story from them a long time ago on the podcast where someone had a hidden camera there's been loads of those like well you know they've got a lot of listings and basically what they're doing is saying hey open your house and put it on the internet just like there's a lot of weird people in the world (laughs) i've had a couple of weird ones like this one where the person's stuff was just all still there their toothbrush was still in the bathroom and like, so you're moving someone else. Like, oh, I'm just like, have they changed the bed sheets? Oh, that's not what you want to be thinking. I actually was an Airbnb host for for a while, for for a summer. See, anyone can be one. <laughs> no, but do you know what? Um, I never forget these. This one couple that arrived. It was actually a mum and and her daughter. And the mum was like, "You look so much like you do in your picture." And I was like, "Yeah, well, it is. It is me. <laughs> like, it is me." And it was a recent. Like, what experiences have you had where people? <laughs> Good summer though. I, I was there at the same time. Hang on, you were there at the same. As in, they yeah. were staying in your house. The idea of a stranger in my house. I would not sleep. It was great. I had. I actually did separate rooms on Airbnb, and so I had like different sets of guests in the rooms. Like I had three rooms, three bedrooms on rotation, and I slept in the cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> I say cupboard. It was. It's not really a cupboard. It's just the box room. We talk about as well people being able to trust the hosts of these properties, but the other way around, you're inviting all these people into your home. You have to be able to trust the people that come to visit. You can read their previous reviews and decide. You can choose whether you want them. Or you can not. give them a consumer score. Yeah, exactly. You will be able to do that now. <laughs> so we don't have an interview this week, but we do have some tips yeah some one password tips to be precise yeah i do really like this that we do every now and then it's been heavily requested so it's nice to finally be able to requested in kind of i don't know there's been some passive aggressive ways that people have (laughs) been requesting this just like oh i like the podcast 
but you really should do a bit more advice on how to actually use actually talk about one password please yeah i'm excited because i think there's some tips in here that i actually could use yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know whether i should be admitting that but <laughs> no everyone's still learning always still learning i think there's a lot of weird ways that people use one password as well. yeah i think every list of one password tips should really begin and end with command backslash or whatever you've changed your shortcut to. Some of our users still don't know about this. And it's always something that when they learn, they're like, ah, yeah, this changes everything. I can just hit this keyboard shortcut and it will bring up one password anywhere on my Mac. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Before I read the show notes, I like messaged Anna and was like, hang on, what? <laughs> command backslash. This is about to change my life. Yeah, that is a real game changer. And it's very similar to my first tip, which is using one password for two-factor authentication so some people as well also don't know that you could use one password instead of google or authy for 2fa this is kind of another light bulb moment and makes things seamless once set up so you just need to scan the code inside one password like you would when setting up any other authenticator it's kind of inception right because you can put two-factor on your one password account yeah. and you can also use one password for two factor. Oh, don't confuse people. Yeah. That is a bit confusing, but I think it's good. It's good to mm. show the difference between the two of them. And you shouldn't, of course, store the two factor for your one password account inside one password. No, you wouldn't be able to get yeah. into there yeah. to access it. <laughs> Security is just all about levels. Let's <laughs> just just keep on adding those levels, however many you like, however many you're comfortable with. All levels. Tagging things is also a good one. So you might find it useful to have tags for things like your bank accounts or credit cards, addresses, phone numbers, and then tag logins or websites that store that data. This makes it easy to then find all the places that need to be updated in one space in case these things change. So for example, getting a new phone number or replacement credit card. I tried to do this a little bit differently. And, and when I changed address, I created a new vault with the name of that address. And then I would be like, okay, this one's moved over, so I moved into a new vault. I think I just like having things that reference addresses as vault names. Mm. Yeah, because I can add, like, a picture of the little house. Aww. <laughs> See, this is what's great. Like, everyone's use of 1Password is different. I bumped into a, a pilot in an airport once. I was uh, wearing a 1Password t-shirt. He kind of came up to me and was just like, oh, 1Password, do you know them? And so I was like, yeah, I, I work there. Uh, he was like, oh, I, lo I love the app. Absolutely love the app. I use it for storing tail numbers of planes because what I do in my, my job is I ship expensive cars. And so I take down the, the flight number. I take down all the kind of VIN numbers and the, the registration plates and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and, I, and I save that in, in 1Password. And I have like, you know, six, 7,000 records of this stuff in, in a vault, you know, nicely tucked away. I was like, okay, I can count yeah, that yeah. use case on one hand. Yeah, it's a niche right. use. So when you need to share a few items or even one login for a short time, inviting a guest to your 1Password account is the perfect solution. Invite your friend, accountant, or even babysitter and share a single vault of your choice. Do they have to set up their own 1Password account then for that? They do, yeah. And then they get access to a single vault. Uh, it's kind of useful for accountants is what I use it for. I invite my accountant to my one vault. Yeah. I know, I know lots of people that, that do that. Yeah, planning ahead can give you some peace of mind if you have a family or team account. So it's always a good idea to implement a recovery plan. Make sure you know who is responsible for account recovery. 
You can recover accounts for other people if you're a family organiser, a team administrator, or you belong to a group that has the recover accounts permission. This means you can restore access for a family or team member if they forget their master password or can't find their secret key. You can recover your own account, so make sure at least two family or team members can recover accounts. That way, if you can't sign in, someone will be able to help you. So it's probably worth pointing out that a family account isn't limited by your household no. or your property or anything. I have my in-laws on mine. I find it very useful to, to be able to share with them. I have my, my own parents and my sister and stuff mm. all, all on all on a single account. Much more useful. Yeah. And in the same way, family doesn't just mean family. So a lot of just couples use family accounts, which me and my partner both use a family account and find it really useful when sharing the various bills and things. Have you gone like all in and added all of your like mortgage and insurance details yet? Like we yeah. still have that. I mean, there's a filing cabinet in this room that we're sitting in. Every time I try and find something in there, you know, Laura, my wife will come in and put my passport somewhere in there. <laughs> it's, it's in there somewhere. But like I've added all of our actual like mortgage and insurance and car insurance and all that type of thing into one password. And so I can be like, tap, 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 yeah. and find it. It's also handy when you have personal accounts as well, because you can, it's like sharing the login thing again. If you just need to share one login for like a short period of time, you can move it into your family account. They can use it for however long they need to use it, a week or whatever. And then you just move it back into your personal account when they're done. And then you've got to move the uh, delivery password out again. So Dan can't keep ordering burgers. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever there's a special deal or offer on, just take it out. Oh, that's dangerous. <laughs> I love that. Um, another simple one, and I, this is one of my favorite ones, is using one password to generate random answers to security questions. This makes them more secure and they won't be linked to any of your personal or sensitive information. I guess people then can't guess them, especially if they're nonsensical. Yeah. And I love doing that. I, I do this for myself and I, I, I like create really obscure answers like purple pineapple. <laughs> Have you ever had to read it out over the phone yet? Yeah. Like, Tell me your mother's maiden name. Well, you know, grease, sock, jamja. Or like... <laughs> Tell me like the last digit and the middle digit and you're like exclamation mark semicolon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's no. You definitely want to use the word list for doing that, because as soon as they make you read the whole thing out and then you realize you've generated like 50 characters of just random mess and you're just like one, one e, <laughs> s exclamation mark uppercase you yeah like it's never that's never a good idea i hate that though when you have to fill out the fifth letter and the seventh letter yeah uh, drag and drop is one thing that still surprises people and is a really nice and easy one too uh, this does what it says on the tin really drag usernames and passwords into the desired fields a lot of one password is now you know drag and drop friendly it's uh, something that we did in a i think it was one password 7.2 something like that you can drag things into the sidebar to move about vaults and, and things like that now. It's also helpful when you can pin onto screen, right, as well. That sort of helps the drag and drop process. Yes. So we've done a load of work on, on 1Password Mini on the Mac so that when you click the button and you kind of drag a field in, when you let go, 1Password Mini will uh, pop up again and then you can drag the next field. So you don't have to kind of go back and, and, and forth. And um, similarly, in the, in the iOS app, we tried to kind of make that process a lot smoother so if you copy one field in the ios app change apps to go to where you need to paste it in when you go back we will automatically copy the next field for you so you can just you don't have to then go to one password and copy it you can just go back to the app 
flip, and then change it back again. Nice. And for those that don't know already, 1Password for iOS also supports scanning documents into 1Password. So this is a fairly new feature with iOS 13, which means you can take a picture of an important document like a travel ticket, a passport, or your bank cards if you're traveling, for instance. And these will all be kept nice and safe in 1Password. I went a bit crazy with this one and, and just started snapping everything I, I could. Well, you travel so often. So. There's no reason I need plane tickets inside 1Password, really. But uh, it's nice to have a record. Yeah. On that note, we also have travel mode. Um, so this is great. You can toggle this mode on and off and it will help you um, keep your personal info safe across borders. Travel mode is included with every 1Password subscription and it removes vaults from your computers and mobile devices except those that you mark as safe for travel. So if you're visiting like a restricted country and you're stopped for inspection when traveling, the only vaults on your device will be the ones that you've previously allowed. So to mark a vault as safe for travel, you click on manage on the vault and select safe for travel. Easy. Got another tip related to travel mode as well. Yeah. It's not what we intended it for, but it, it is really useful. You know, travel mode is great. You know, you, you set it and it deletes from all your devices and everything like that. But if you find yourself in the queue... Uh, for security and you've forgotten to turn on travel mode if you delete the app iCloud actually saves your secret key behind the scenes and so when you re-download the app all you have to do is put in your master password and it'll kind of download all the stuff again so I, I found myself having forgotten to put travel mode on before and because I'm in a 1Password team as well the, the interesting thing is our, our DevOps person can actually turn travel mode on for people as well so if he knows that you're traveling he can be like Flick and switch. But yeah, if you if you delete the app when you download it again and you, you've got all your iCloud stuff set up, yeah, you can just enter your master password in and it'll remember all the other things for you. That is really good because when you're traveling, there's often a thousand things that yeah. you're thinking about, like getting through security without having to take every mm. item of clothing off. Yeah, <laughs> especially if it's last minute as well. Yeah. For some, it's worth noting that 1Password data is cached on your device, which means it can be accessed while offline, uh, either because you are without internet or because of an outage on our end. So you will always be able to access your data, uh, which thankfully are very infrequent. Mm. I think we have like 99.9 something uptime now. Nice. Don't have to worry about that one. Another one that's important to our team and will be for a lot of people, and that's account recovery for when you or a loved one passes away. Uh, and sadly, it is something we all should think about. So for this one, I've heard a lot of people having a secure note that you can store in a shared vault with your emergency contact or next of kin. This note can contain any important information you would need to pass on, whether it's like a lawyer name and address or the login information for your computer. And you can keep updating this note and adding stuff as you think. Of yeah, it. There's, there's a couple of things that you can do here in terms of like how comfortable you are with the other people in the in the shared account. I have a separate vault. I just share that. And it has, you know, things like my my computer login and, and, and stuff like that. If anything happened to me, we were talking earlier about guests. If you add a, a lawyer as a guest or anything, yeah. you know, you can always you know, just share a minimal amount of stuff there as well. Yeah, it's another simple one. But you can use Touch or Face ID to unlock 1Password on your iPhone or iPad Pro. To turn on Touch or Face ID, you need to make sure it's set up for your device. Then go to your security settings in 1Password and select Turn on Face or Touch ID. But don't forget your master password. 
sometimes you'll need to enter it instead of. So this one infuriates me every time I see my partner using one password because he hasn't set it up. And I'm like, <laughs> well, how do you function? Yeah, when you know how simple it is. Yeah, such a time saver. On the spectrum of good, though, he's not going to forget his master password. Yeah, true. That's one thing that I always worry about with continually using Face ID. And it's something that we want to get better at in the product is asking people for their master password more. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you log into 1Password, you're usually in a hurry, right? That's why Face ID is so great because it just bam and you're in. Yeah, you have to walk that perfect balance between security and productivity. Yeah, we thought about having like a countdown of being like, okay, three more attempts and you've got to type in your master password or like, or do it now. But yeah, it's balancing annoying people. Maybe it should be like a roulette, so like one in every 50. Wouldn't that be even more irritating if you didn't know it was coming? <laughs> yeah, it probably would be quite annoying, yeah. <laughs> so similarly, you can also uh, use 1Password to autofill on your iPad uh, and iPhone. To set up autofill, uh, go to passwords and accounts in your uh, 1Password setting and tap autofill passwords and then select 1Password. From then on, you'll be able to fill passwords without ever needing to open the 1Password app. So I'm going to move into some more kind of cleaning up your 1Password account sort of tips now. I know we did a spring cleaning special not that long ago in, I think it was episode 1.7, which goes into these kind of decluttering tips in more detail. But I think it's kind of always important to remind people to delete old accounts where you can and use strong passwords on them if you can't. Deleting duplicate accounts is another good one. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, I feel like one password's always nagging me that like I've got a duplicate. <laughs> it's always like, get your act together, come on. And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> thanks. Like, do the washing up. Yeah, it's keeping me in line. <laughs> Um, but it is, it is great. Another good one is to check in on Watchtower. So if you've had compromised logins or weak passwords, they'll be flagged. Um, so you can go ahead and change those. It's also worth setting a date in your calendar, maybe every six months or every year, um, depending on how strict you feel. But to go through and update all your passwords, it's a, it's a really important step. Uh, yeah, you can also do a, a 2FA audit there as well. Make sure you have, have this set up across uh, all available logins. And I, I think we'll have to leave it there, but we'll link to all the relevant support articles in the in the show notes. But uh, when in doubt, command and backslash. Nice. Shall we move on to the giveaway? Act of kindness giveaway. Yeah, slightly different one this week. So here at 1Password, we like to share an act of kindness every now and then. For those that might not know, we have our 1Password for democracy and journalism programs. And these entitle journalists and anyone working within democratic elections or the press, uh, 1Password for free. We also love supporting nonprofit organisations and help them get more secure with 1Password. So we'd like to try and kind of spread this love and start a bit of a kindness train going, especially with Thanksgiving coming up. This was also kind of a suggestion from one of our listeners. If you can remember, they suggested we turn this into a bit more of a a segment, like an act of kindness segment, but I wanted to involve you guys and turn it into a giveaway. So instead of swag this week, we're going to give away a 1Password account, the best kind of gift. So all you have to do to enter this giveaway is to recommend someone who you think needs 1Password, give a good reason why you think they need or deserve it, and then next episode we will give the winner a family account with three years of 1Password for free. Um, and we'll also send you some swag too. Nice. All you have to do is remember to use the Ask One Password hashtag when entering, and entries close on the 26th of November. 
and I think we can say as well if you, if you do it on Twitter or on Instagram I think that's fine we, we monitor both of those for the for the ask one password hashtag yeah. so uh, Anna it's time for a brand new segment this is replacing what the phrase I love what the phrase I'm so excited for this it's gonna be better is it I hope so so we're introducing real or not real guys which is the new segment so I'm going to give you a statement and you have to tell me if you think it's real or not real and why you think so I'm kind of happy for you to create your own backstory here. I know Rue tried to do it a lot with what the phrase and they ended up getting cut quite often. Because they rambled. They went on for like 20 minutes. With like the origin of the phrase and stuff, which was usually very incorrect. I like the segment name, real or not real. It sounds like deal or no deal. It does, deal or no deal, yeah. Okay, so ready? What's in the box? So Australia once lost its prime minister as in no one could find him. Whoa. I mean, Australia's a big place. Yeah, it is a big place. You could lose anything in Australia. There's a lot of empty areas there as well. You could just start running and someone would lose you. Right? If you just start running in a in a straight line in Australia, I reckon you could get lost pretty easily. A prime minister, though, he's got to have a lot of people watching out for him. Maybe he did it on purpose. He was trying to just get away and have some calm time to himself he was unplugging <laughs> having a digital detox yeah that's exactly what he was doing but you know what i wouldn't do i wouldn't run into the middle of australia everything kills you out there their nature is like another level isn't it i just i'm petrified some serious snakes and spiders someone once asked me if i would go to australia like as in would i go on holiday there and they were surprised by my answer of no because you'd be so jet lagged when you get there and then everything kills you such a british hypochondriac <laughs> i absolutely am if you've got a fear of spiders, don't go to Australia. Well, it's not, you know, it's just going to bite you in your sleep. Have you heard of those stories about spiders, like, burying oh, their no. eggs under uh, skin and then them hatching and them all coming out? The worst one was this woman and it, buried, like, it went under her eyelids. No. I feel like, I feel like it, this must be true, otherwise it just wouldn't exist as a sentence. I feel like you wouldn't have just made that up, would you? Is this how she works? Is this, is this yeah, what she's like? Yeah, I think this is how she works, to This is how this segment is going to oh, work. Oh, God, okay. But this is also how Anna works. Sentences like this. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm trying. I'm not used to it. But I wonder if he did get lost, if he thought he was lost. The weird thing would be how you are on your own as a prime minister. You're not on your own very much. And then you'd be like, so lost is a weird phrase, right? I'm, I'm, I'm going yes. I'm going real. Both going real. You are correct. So Harold Holt became Prime Minister of Australia in 1966. In 1967, he disappeared while swimming at a beach. Uh, sadly, his body was never found. No oh, way! Oh, that's really sad. Why are we starting off on this one? Well, you meant he was just like... Yeah, official suspect resulted from an attack by marine life. I told you, everything kills you. I don't think so. They're covering something up. Maybe it all did get too much for him and he just kept on swimming. Well, you say they were covering something up. They said, by law, no official inquest into his death could be made without a body. There's something shifty going on there. <laughs> Although there are a lot of sharks in Australia. So that is a possibility. Yeah, as recent as 1967, he he got lost, was never found. That's horrible. I'm never going swimming in the sea again. I was not expecting that to happen. I thought he was just going to be like, and he just had gone out to the shops. You're a sea swimmer. I am, yeah. How do you feel about that? Ever getting back in the sea? Yeah, I was in the sea yesterday. So I'm guessing you're still not going to Australia after this. I'm story. still not going to Australia and I'm still not getting in the sea. I'm still going to do both. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, I think that's all we've got time for. Well, thank you for both joining me in my house for once. No worries. I am slightly disappointed by the lack of tea, Matt. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I made one cup. We need one of those urns, a tea urn. That's the most British thing, I think. It'll be a tea drip next. <laughs> Get it in an IV, yeah. Oh, well, thanks for having me. It's been great. I feel um, like we haven't been that diverse with our British accents this week. So it'll be, <laughs> you'll be happy to get Rue back on. I suppose we can get Rue back on the show next week, <laughs> if we have to. <laughs> yeah. All right, I think we're good. Yeah, love you guys. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.